Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Now, two weeks ago, at the keynote, God talked to us about the nature of His love, of His love for us, for His love in us, and the way that that love is to be expressed through us. Last week it was joy, that we are to rejoice in the Lord always. Love is the first fruit of the Spirit. Joy is the second fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And uh, we talked about how we need to express that joy in our worship, and if we do that, we're living in the victory. Our faith is in all that God has done for us. When that is our focus, we can't do anything other than rejoice. When we get our eyes on ourselves and on our feelings and our problems, we stop rejoicing. So we're to rejoice in the Lord always. And on Thursday, we had a great release of joy in the worship, in the praise. It was a wonderful time. Pastor Gary was, was leading that simply by keeping everybody's focus on Jesus, on the victory, on what he's done for us in his blood. It was a real kind of breakthrough, and I thought, oh, this is good, this is going well. Uh, Friday was not quite the same. What you have to understand is that God wants to keep building on what he does, and the enemy wants to try to stop that. So whenever there's a breakthrough, the enemy the following day tries to put a damper on everything. And that's how it seemed in the past. I didn't intervene or anything, but I just thought there's just a dampening on everything. Well, we're not going to allow the the enemy to dampen any of our enthusiasm, any of our praise, any of the victory that God has for us. So when you come in here, you know, if you don't feel like like worshipping, it's got nothing to do with your feelings, has it? But sometimes it's because the enemy is just trying to oppress and saying, I don't want to hear you praising God and, and, and rejoicing in the victory that he has won over me. Because that's what we're doing. We're rejoicing and praising God for his victory over the enemy. But when uh, Fraser was leading on, on uh, Friday, he did use this scripture from Hebrews, which said, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem. Now, remember the tenses of the verbs, very important in scripture, because they tell us what he has done, what we have done, what he is doing, and what he will do. So it says here, you have come, not you will come, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. Listen to this. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. What are they doing in heaven? They're worshiping, they're glorifying God in his holiness, but it's a joyful assembly, because holiness is joyful. As I explained to you last week, amen, when you're in holiness, it's serious, but it's joyful. It's wonderful to be in the holy presence of God. So you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. That includes you. You have come to this. So this morning, God wants to talk to us about peace. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to go through all the fruit of the Spirit, but he certainly wants us to focus on these first three vital 
elements, the love, the joy, and the peace, and to see how these are related. Now, you might think the peace is the opposite of joy. Peace is just being quiet. No, 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 peace is not being quiet. That's the world's idea of peace. The world's idea of peace is when everything is quiet because the kids have gone to bed, or there's peace because there's no war and there's no conflict. The peace of God is entirely different. The peace of God is knowing that we are in that place of total well-being. And that is a joyful thing. It's the evidence of his love for us. But the best way to understand the peace of God, really what God has accomplished for us through his peace, is actually found in a couple of verses from the Psalms. In uh, Psalm 31, David says this, in verse 7, I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. A spacious place. We're going to talk this morning about spacious place. In Psalm 18, uh, he uses this phrase again, that God has brought him into a spacious place. He, in verse 19, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Now, what is this spacious place? We know that Jesus said to the disciples, you are to continue to live in me, and I in you. David was a man before his time. He had a, it always seems to me, he almost had a New Testament relationship in the middle of the Old Testament. But he knew the spacious place, and the spacious place is in Christ. You see, we are not in a human Jesus. He was only a human Jesus for 33 years. Then he returned to what he was before, the Christ who is everywhere present. We're living in the one who knows no limits, no boundaries. We're living in a spacious place. Now, you know in the temple in Jerusalem that the presence of God was in the Holy of Holies. And we saw the other day that when Jesus died on the cross, that, that enormous thick veil or curtain was torn apart and the way was opened into the Holy of Holies because through the cross the Holy of Holies was no longer a small, restricted space in a building. Now the Holy of Holies is in Christ Jesus. So the Holy of Holies is a spacious place. Now God's intention 
is not that we should simply visit that spacious place when we're worshiping, but we should live in that spacious place because we're not called to visit in Christ, we're called to live in Christ, to continue to live in him, to abide in him, to remain in him. So <clears throat> God's purpose for us is to live in this spacious place, to live in Christ Jesus, therefore to live in his holiness, in his righteousness, in his continual presence, no matter where we are. Now, the more effectively we give ourselves to the Lord to do that, the more of his life is reflected in our lives. You see, this, the, there is a, an important side effect to praise when we really have a release of praise in our lives. It is first and foremost for the glory of God. But that praise enables us to meet with God in such a way that more of his life is actually then reproduced in our lives. That the more, the more we engage with him, the more that life is then reflected in our lives. Now, I was talking to some of you students last week about character and saying that what God wants is for us to live according to his character, according to his person that he has put within us, rather than just our own natural character, that the way our character changes is by focusing upon his character. What we have to understand is that God will not change your character. As I explained, God has exchanged our character with his character. But we need to see our characters change. That is our responsibility. That is our responsibility. It's our responsibility to bring our character in line with the character of Christ that we have within us. And the only way that we do that is not by trying to be holy, trying to be righteous, trying to be loving, trying to be joyful, but being submitted and surrendered to him in this spacious place. Because then his life, his love, his power, his holiness, everything that he is gets reflected within us. It is then for us to speak. It is then for us to act. It's for then for us to bring our character into line with his character, to submit our character to his character within us. That's how we are transformed uh, with ever-increasing glory into his likeness. And this is, this is always God's purpose for every creature. Every believer on the face of this earth, God's first and foremost purpose in their lives, quite apart from any way in which he will use them, any ministry that he gives them, his purpose for every believer is to make him or her like Jesus. And so when we see him as he is, we shall be like him. That will be the fulfillment of his purpose. But he is taking us towards that point when on the, on the day of judgment we will be face to face, we shall then see him as he really is and we shall be fully, completely like him. Yes. 
That's worth an hallelujah. hallelujah. Oh, goodness me. It's worth, it's worth a, a more joyful hallelujah. hallelujah. So God has opened up for us the way into this spacious place. The enemy's purpose is totally the opposite. He wants to restrict. He wants to restrict you. That's why he wants to put a dampener on you. But God has given us a spirit of praise. We do not have a negative spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is in our, our human spirits, our spirits are full of the positive presence and activity of God. So we want to see that presence of, the, of Christ in us, of his spirit within us, being released through our lives. So you see, when we come to worship, the enemy wants to restrict, the Holy Spirit wants to liberate, because wherever the spirit of God is, there is freedom. Hello, freedom is where there is no restriction. And you see, in the spacious place, there is no restriction, there's no limit. When you stand in the spacious place, you can actually experience standing in the spacious place. You just know you're in this spacious place, you know you're in Christ, you know that you're in this place of holiness and so on, and there's no limit. You can never see the, the limits of this place because there aren't any. There are no limitations in Christ. Hallelujah. One of the amazing things you see about the incarnation is that the, the one who is without limit limited himself for a period of time, shared in the poverty of our humanity, so that through his poverty we may be made rich. So don't let the devil have his way. Don't let the devil oppress you. Don't let the devil keep you down. Don't let the devil stop you from the freedom that God wants to see expressed in you. That's why Jesus has given us authority over all the power of the evil one, and nothing will harm us. We could also say nothing is going to restrict us. Nothing is going to keep us down. Amen? We're the head, we're not the tail, and all, all the rest. We know, we know the scriptures, but these scriptures need to be expressed in the way we live. So in this spacious place, there is no sin. Now, at the beginning of term, I was talking about the first minute. Whenever you pray, whenever you worship, spend the first minute. I trust you've been doing it. If you came in here and did that in the first minute, you would not be under any oppression or restriction from the enemy. Because it frees you from all that. You see, because you begin with the place of faith. But I don't tell you these things so you can just forget them, but so you do them. We are doers of the word, not hearers only. Amen? But you see, what God intends is that we live in those truths, not just for one minute, but continually because we're in the spacious place. All those things are true in the spacious place. 
In the spacious place there is no sin because you're in Christ Jesus. In the spacious place you are blameless before God. In the spacious place you are innocent because all your guilt has been taken away. In the spacious place you are holy, you have been sanctified. In the spacious place you've been made righteous and totally acceptable in God's sight. This is not the place just to visit for a minute. This is where God wants you living. Amen? We live in this spacious place. You can't bring your sin into it. You can't bring your own agenda into it. You can't bring your own plans into the spacious place. This is the place where God has his way his agenda, his plans. Amen? You have to leave everything of self behind, and your focus is on him. And you see what David is saying, you rescued me from my enemies and brought me into the spacious place. Why? Because the enemy is restricted. The Holy Spirit is liberating. Amen? And we have to make the decision, am I going to be restricted? Am I going to remain silent instead of praising? Am I going to be downbeat or am I going to be upbeat? You have to make the decision every time, every day. Why let the enemy restrict you when Jesus died to give you freedom? So, it is for freedom, Christ has set us free, and we are called to be free, just as he's made us holy, and we're called to be holy. But you don't walk in holiness by trying to be holy, but by reflecting the holiness of Christ that is yours in the spacious place. Amen? He is our holiness. He is our righteousness. He is our salvation. He is our all in all. And we stand in that spacious place. I can remember my wife once saying that whenever she stands in that spacious place, it's as if she grows to an enormous size herself. I knew exactly what, what she meant when she said that. She said, it just makes you feel so, so big. Not, not in yourself, but in him. It's as if your whole stature grows because of what he has done for you, because of what he has made you. It's a wonderful place, the spacious place. But you see, this is the place of peace. You stand in that place because you are at peace with God. And to be at peace with God is to be at one with God. And when you're at peace with God, when you're at one with God, then that is for your welfare. Why, why did Jesus die on the cross? To make it possible for us to come into this place of peace. Because God's love for you and for me 
is that he wants the very best for us. He became poor so that through his poverty we might be made rich. He wants us to live in, in the full blessings that he has made available to us, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You see, when you stand in that spacious place, and this is a matter of faith, it's not a matter of feelings. Okay, you might sometimes have an experience like the one my wife, uh, I explained, my, my wife um, stated. But every time you stand in the, in, in, the, in the spacious place, you don't have an experience like that. It's just that you can. Uh, experience things like that. But the important thing is that when you, when you know, it's, it's a matter of faith that you believe that you're in that place because of all that God has done for you. And there is that perfect peace. It always um, interests me that peace was Jesus' parting gift to the disciples before the cross. Peace I leave with you, my peace, my peace, I give to you. And, you know, uh, after the crucifixion, the disciples and some of the other believers were shut away for fear that they would be the next ones who would be arrested and crucified. They were afraid, they were scared, they were restricted. And Jesus comes and stands amongst them. He doesn't come through the door. He, one moment he's... Not there, the next moment he is there in his risen body, which they can touch. He doesn't appear like a ghost of any kind. But there he, he stands, and the first thing he says to them is, Peace be with you. Why? There's nothing to fear. You're no longer going to be under the restrictions of the enemy. Now I have purchased for you with my blood my peace, which is beyond all understanding, the scripture says, but which will keep your heart and mind in the knowledge and love of God and of his son, Jesus Christ. The, the disciples probably didn't understand what Jesus was imparting to them. Okay, they were afraid, so the peace of God would have come upon them to dispel the fear. But they would only have realized later just what this full blessing of his peace involved. That they now had peace with God. And because they had peace with God, they could stand in the spacious place. They could stand with that joyful assembly in heaven. That their worship would be victorious worship. They would join in what was going on in heaven. So when they're arrested and they're in prison, a place of restriction, what do they do? They praise God. They sing joyful songs of praise. And the whole prison is listening and the doors to the prison fly open. Or an angel comes and leads them out. The supernatural happens. Why? Because even in that place where the enemy had restricted them, they had the peace of God. And therefore, they could enjoy the spacious place. 
I was telling, I don't, I don't know if it was here or when I was preaching somewhere else, but I was mentioning the other day some believers that <coughs> I, I've uh, known of who were in prison. Actually, sometimes they, they were not even believers when they were in prison for unrighteous reasons, as happens in some countries. And, and of one man who was in a, a really terrible, terrible prison, terrible conditions, and the Lord met with him, just came into the prison, revealed himself, and he said from that time on, his prison was filled with light. It was a place of joy. It was a place of praise. Just completely, radically changed him. And he prayed that his wife, of course, who was not in the prison, that she would also uh, have an encounter with the Lord. And when he came out of prison, <clears throat> he discovered that she had an encounter with him at precisely the same time that he had an encounter with the Lord in prison. And that she too was just liberated in praise and, and, and joy in the Lord. Amazing, you can be in that situation of real deprivation and yet nobody can take your joy from you, nobody can rob you of the spacious place, nobody can rob you of the peace that is yours in Christ Jesus. These are God's precious gifts to us, his love, his joy, his peace. So we walk in that love always, we rejoice always, we abide in that peace every day of our lives. If you're, <clears throat> if you're in that peace, there's nothing to be afraid of, nothing to fear. Amen? Our hope is secure. Whatever the future has, even if there's going to be challenges, it will always end in victory because we have the peace of God. He is greater than any of our circumstances. He's far greater than any of our feelings. So it's up to us to express that love, to express that joy, to abide in that peace, to live in that peace. And the key to all this is, is living in that spacious place. Those scriptures that I quoted are two from the Psalms, from the Old Testament. The New Testament doesn't use this phrase, spacious place, it uses the phrase in Christ Jesus. David couldn't use that space because he couldn't be in Christ. And yet, as I say, he seemed to have this almost New Testament relationship with God in the Old Testament. He knew the spacious place. By the grace of God, he knew that place. And God wants us to be so familiar with that place, to value that place so much. It's the place of his glory. It's the place of revelation. It's the place where we can hear him so much more clearly. It's the, it's the place where we are at one with his will for us, with his plan, with his purpose. That's why we leave all our agendas behind, all our own plans, all our own purposes, all our own desires. 
I'd go as far as to say that that spacious place is the evidence of good spiritual health. We're spiritually healthy when we stand in that spacious place, because that's the place where God intends us to be. And yes, his, his desire is for us to take all that we know of him and receive from him in that spacious place into our witness, into our activity in the world. It's interesting that the promise that Jesus gave to the disciples when uh, he promised the Holy Spirit, he didn't say, and you will witness. We tend to think of witness as being an activity, but that's not what, what the Word of God says. It says, you will be my witnesses. Now, there's a difference to someone just bearing witness and being witnesses. Because, you see, what, what the Word of God is implying is that as we know him and encounter him, we become witnesses. Because his life, his glory, is reflected in our lives. And that's what God intends for his life to flow out of us. It's not just that we bear witness with words. I mean, we do that. But what is important is that when we bear witness with words, it's because we are witnesses, that people can see Christ in us, that they see something of God in us. Because the more we encounter him, the more others will be able to encounter him in us, through us, wherever we go. They will hear God. They will touch God as they touch your life. The more, the more you engage with him in the spacious place, the more that becomes a reality. And you become a more effective witness. So much so that often many lives are impacted without you even knowing it. You see, when you witness to somebody, you are engaged in an activity and you know this person is going to be impacted by what you say. They may reject what you say, but you are actually doing something positive in relation to a person. But when you're a witness, you can be having impact upon other people without even knowing it. People can receive through you, not because you're doing an activity, but of who you are, because of the life of Christ that is being reflected in your life. And God doesn't want us to be self-conscious. Are you receiving Jesus through me today? Uh, it's not like that. It's just that we desire 
to be like him so that others can receive from him, even when we're, even when we're not conscious of it. I've had people over the years come to me and give testimony of how, in some way, God used me to bless their life, and I knew absolutely nothing about it. It wasn't anything I said. I didn't even feel involved. I didn't even know. But you see, this is what it is to be a witness. And we are all called to be witnesses. The more we engage with the Lord ourselves, the more effective will be our witness. And the more the character of Christ will be reflected in us. But beloved, although, although we would want to, we can't take our own desires into that spacious place. There's no place for them there. There's no place for sin and disobedience and stubbornness. And there's, just, there's no room there for it. It's a spacious place, but there's no room for anything that does not glorify him. So it's always a question of, well, do we value these things that the flesh would like to hold on to? Or do we value the spacious place more than those things? Scripture says, if we walk in the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's not a question of just trying to deny the, the, the desires of the flesh. If we walk in the Spirit, we will desire the things of the Spirit. And our desire for the things of the flesh diminish. They come, eventually they come to nothing. But you see, when you fight something, you stir it up. When you overcome it, it's defeated. Amen. And those things of the flesh are defeated Amen. as we stand in the spacious place. There's no room for them there. And it's as if God has delivered us completely from every negative thing that afflicts us. I'm just going to quote again from Psalm 31. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. In you, O Lord. You see, in some sense, even David knew what it was to well, trust in the Lord, yes, but even to be in the Lord, in a sense. He knew that. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. My refuge is in you. See, this spacious place is your place of refuge. Let me never be put to shame. There's no shame there. Deliver me in your righteousness. There's only righteousness there. And you are delivered from anything that is unrighteous. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. 
Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead me and guide me. <laughs> this spacious place is like a fortress. You stand on the rock of Christ himself in that place. Free me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Which is what Jesus said just before he died on the cross, quoting this psalm. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love. For you saw my afflictions and knew the anguish of my soul. But you have not handed me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place, so that I overcome all these things. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. I can almost identify with most of that. But you see, the point is, it's when he was aware of all of that that he was standing in the spacious place. It wasn't that everything in his life was fine and there were no problems. Totally the opposite. He was in a place of physical need and affliction. But then in verse 11, because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I am a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten by them as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear the slander of many. There is terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life but I'm in the spacious place. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant in the spacious place. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and lie silent in the grave. Let their lying lips be silenced, for with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. How great is your goodness in the spacious place, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you, in the, in the spacious place, in the shelter of your presence. You see, when you're in the spacious place, you're in the shelter of his presence. You are safe. You are secure. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from, from the, the intrigues of men. In your dwelling, you keep them safe from accusing tongues. Praise be the Lord, for he showed his wonderful love to me when I was in a besieged city. He feels he's in a absolutely besieged by his enemies. Everything is going wrong for him physically, but he stands in the spacious place. He stands in the place of victory. He stands in the overcoming place. And what does he do? Praise be to the Lord! He doesn't allow his circumstances to dampen his praise. Praise be to the Lord! 
For he showed his wonderful love to me when I was in a besieged city. In my alarm, I said, I am cut off from their sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called you for help. Love the Lord, all his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. You can go on and on and on. Oh, what a wonderful place is the spacious place. And that's where you belong. And if David, who didn't have Christ in him, that was not possible at that time. If David could know the value of that spacious place when everything was going wrong in his life, when all the feelings in the natural were totally negative, if he could know that peace with God in the spacious place, so can we. If he knew that in that spacious place you praise God for his victory that saves you from the enemy, that saves you from all the things that come against you, then we wouldn't come in here conscious of our delicate feelings and say, well, I'm only going to praise you when I feel like it. We would say, no! to all those negative feelings and say, my God deserves the highest praise every day of my life. And I come here to give him my highest praise. I come here to rejoice in him, no matter how I feel, no matter what the circumstances, because he has opened up to me the spacious place. And that's the place of his love. It's the place of his joy. If I don't rejoice in the Lord always, I'm being disobedient. Because it's a command of Scripture. Be joyful always. Rejoice in the Lord always. So, we have come to the joyful assembly of heaven. And God's purpose is that his heavenly will shall be done on earth. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as in heaven. So what is his purpose? That we should be a joyful assembly. Why? Because we're in the spacious place of his love. We're in the spacious place in Christ and his peace that passes all understanding, keeps our hearts and minds in the knowledge of God and of his son, Jesus Christ, that we love that place, that spacious place of his presence, of being in him, of being in his love, of being in his joy, of being in his peace, and knowing his love and his joy and his peace is in me. Whenever I come to worship the Lord, I owe him my love. I owe him joy. And I owe him the honor of living in the peace 
that he died to give me. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.